Welcome to Three Yards Per Carry, a podcast covering the Miami Dolphins and the NFL. Now, here's your hosts, Chris, Alf and Simon. And we're on and welcome to another losing edition of Three Yards Per Carry. We're, we're streaking in the other direction, but we're streaking for sure. Uh, Sam Clancy is here. Chris Coffin is here. And as always, we are brought to you by Manscaped. Use promo code 5RSN. You get 20% off your entire order plus free shipping. As always, prize picks. There's a prize picks tonight. Kind of a big game. Bills, Bengals. Good football. Well, teams that actually win games uh, these days. Use promo code 5, F-I-V-E. You deposit $100, you get $100. It's a one-time rollover, which means they're giving you $100. So take it. And, of course, Better Edge. Go to betteredge.com slash five, the number five reasons, and you get $25 just for signing up. All right. I don't think we're going to spend too much time on this game because I kind of laid it out, and I hate to be right, but it's a burden being right all the time. I said don't turn it over against the Patriots. And you can't lose to them. They can't win. And more importantly, don't let them score on defense or special teams. And they can't win. That's a bad team the Dolphins lost to on Sunday. How did they manage that, Simon? By doing exactly the opposite of what you said. I mean, they, they are a bad team. They're a bad offense. But their offensive line is decent. Their run game is decent. Although I thought I the agree. Dolphins played well. They got good players. Ramondi Stevenson, yeah, Stevenson's a, good a really good Hunter player. Hunter Henry's a nice player, uh, and they kept getting Miami into into situations that they that they didn't want them to to be in defensively. They kept you know they kept running on them when they were too high. They kept you know all, all sorts of bits and bobs just to keep moving the ball, moving the ball. But defensively, they just shut down the the stuff that Miami sort of tends to do well and wasn't able to do, in part because the quarterbacks were so bad. But also because they have athletic safeties, and even though they had lots of injuries at corner and a couple of guys who, you know, who'd last played in about 1997 in the you know whatever the XFL was, but in the in NFL Europe, pretty much, um, you know, when you have athletic safeties, you can kind of cover up some deficiencies, which is what they did. You know, you got guys like Carl Duggar and you know Devin McCourty and Jabril Peppers, and you know the guys that they had. That's that's what they were able to do, and you know, I, I don't think they did anything overly crazy. But they just, you know, kept Miami in check and the Dolphins just couldn't have an answer. And I think as soon as the Patriots went into the lead, that was it, you know. And, and you know, Thompson comes in, you kind of, you know, the check down <laughs> king. We missed a load of, you know, we missed some throws, you know. And you can't, look, you can't really blame the seventh round rookie, um, you know, too much, I don't think. You know, New England were constantly sort of shooting defenders underneath zones to avoid, you know, those sort of free access throws that we like to do so well at, you know, at their corners, that Waddle wasn't getting open, you know, and they weren't giving, you know, the sorts of middle of the field throws that that we would normally see, um, getting them to throw outside the numbers. But when you've got, like I said, Duggar and Phillips and McCourty and whoever else playing underneath, you know, that that's that allows their corners to play off and play deep. And you know, it was a perfect scheme to the to to what Miami was trying to do. And I thought Steve Belichick and and Gerald Mayo and Bill Belichick you know, played it pretty perfectly and, you know, they came away with the win and we didn't deserve to get anything from the game, I don't think. So, you know, you, you get what you deserve and, you know, here we are. Five, you know, what was it five games, six game losing streak? and Five, game, playoffs, five game losing streak. Threatening playoffs, for six. <laughs> yeah. Playoffs are now out of our hands. We now rely on help and we've got to go and beat the Jets with a really good defense at home, you know, with 
potentially the seventh round quarterback starting for us or the guy that can't stay healthy, Teddy Bridgewater. And, uh, you know, not that not that Thompson can stay healthy either. So, you know, Lord alone knows what's going to happen. It, was, it seemed pretty clear from what Mike McDaniel was, was intimating in the press conference today that Tua isn't going to play. So, you know, we shall... We shall see what happens, but I'm I'm not holding out a huge amount of hopes for for us getting into the playoffs. I've got to say, yeah, and uh, exactly what I said would happen actually happened. I've I not that I knew it because I'm not an oracle, but I've watched this jet this jet team uh, as we've been imploding. They've been imploding right alongside us, and you just had the sense that Seattle at home, the Jets going across the country, they would get smacked, and they got absolutely they got tortured out out there in. In, in Seattle, which means that the Dolphins would have clinched a playoff spot uh, on Sunday, okay? And they would have been sitting out this week and trying to get healthy for a hypothetical playoff game against whoever. But no, they lost to the Patriots. Uh, what did you see, Chris? Uh, why did they lose to this team? Because they didn't score enough points in the Patriots. <laughs> you sound like Bill Belichick. <laughs> not only with the answer, but your voice. You literally just put on a Belichick voice. Is that you, Bill? Are you there? Well, I don't know what you're talking about, but uh, yeah. <laughs> you should have just said, we didn't score enough points. Sorry, Penn State had just scored an 87-yard touchdown. I accidentally pressed the volume up button. Um, uh, well, we're just thinking about next week. Yeah. <laughs> Can you do every answer to this podcast as Bill Belichick, please? Yeah, we're on to the Jets. Well, unless you uh, ask me about something like really interesting, like, uh, you know, like about the um, different microwave settings uh, and, and and popcorn and the, the sort of the, the disconnect between the popcorn bags and uh, and what they tell you you can do on the on the pop microwave, but you can't hit the popcorn button. No, you, know, um, you have to do 20 uh, seconds popcorn. less than whatever the bag says. I yeah. hope you're not one of these people that sees the bag and the bag says two minutes and 20 seconds and you're putting it for two minutes and 20 seconds because then you're setting fire to your your popcorn face you're not doing yeah that, you, Chris? yeah on the next week literally it literally sounds genuinely like we've managed to get bill belichick on the line the patriots press office just said yeah you can join the three yards by gary podcast for a week Oh, boy. Yeah. So I'll ask an even more interesting question. Our general manager was running around the, the field on, on Sunday telling our coach that all these guys were out, you know, meaning, well, of course, we knew Tua was out. But Teron Armstead was out. Xavier Howard was out. And Bradley Chubb was out. Okay. And all three were actually dressed and working out. And last I checked, if you have a broken hand and they fitted you for a club and you're sprinting up and down the field, you can play. So did they did they arrogantly and I'm gonna ask I'm gonna go to you first, Chris. Did did they try to get away with a fast one by sitting all three three of your best players in a win and in game, as it turned out, it would have been a win and in game, and it blew up in their face. No. <laughs> I don't think that's uh I don't think that's the case. No. No, I, I think that uh, they just they they decided that they would be risking they would be risking further injury if they uh if they went out there. So um you know that 
I think that they just weren't weren't able to go. And that's um, you know, they were gonna have to win this game without him and they were they're un, unable to do that. They were not up for the task, especially I, I just got the feeling once Skylar Thompson went in, it was over. Yeah. Um you know, he had he had a couple of drives where there was an opportunity. I mean, it was only it was only a 16-14 game even after uh Teddy Bridgewater threw that pick six, right? Um, but you know, it was, it, it, it wasn't going to happen once he, once he took over. And then I think maybe there were two drives, uh, in particular and, you know, with the opportunity to try and get, get back ahead, uh, by a field goal or something like that. And, um, you know, there was, there was not, nothing was happening offensively until it was too late for something to happen offensively. You know, so um, and that's that's I think just shows that we were in this situation, the exact same situation as we were in the Jets game um, earlier in the year where uh, what's his name, uh, where Teddy Bridgewater comes out of the game unexpectedly. Now you've got Skylar Thompson back in the game, um, you know, without having been prepared as the starter. Um, And uh, and and here we are again, you know, they absolutely could not, nothing could get done um with with Skylar Thompson or at least not during uh during moments that you know I don't want to call that last touchdown garbage time because sure if they had gotten the onside kick miraculously mm. you know it, it, there's a chance that we'd it have missed have, the cake <laughs> yeah, yeah, that we'd have missed that we would have missed the field goal of, of course uh it would have come down to a missed field goal which of course we would have missed um yeah. But uh, but still, like it was, it was definitely the defense was playing a certain way at that point, with two and a half minutes left in the game and with a two score lead, and so I don't I don't think it's any coincidence that we started to get something going and started to uh, to to move the ball and you know, convert and stuff like that, and I just don't think uh, I don't think any of that was happening during meaningful moments of the game. Um, because I just don't think Skyler. I'm not trying to, you know, he's a, he's a seventh round rookie, and and um, you know, he probably shouldn't be even playing right now. Um, but uh, but the fact of the matter is, he's a, he's not up to the task. Um, or at least he is not when he has to come into the game as yeah. the backup. I would just, I would say exactly the same thing. I I think that if they're going to start not a non tour quarterback this week. If you're going to start Thompson, make the decision tomorrow. Don't right. piss about and do it on Saturday so that he does, has minimal time to prepare. Because actually, when he came in and played against Minnesota before he hurt his finger, I thought he played really well in that game. You know, slinging it yes. around all over the place, making smart mm-hmm. decisions, picking up yards with his feet. I, I think, like you say, when he comes into the game late with barely any notice, he he looks miles off the pace. But actually, when he started, I thought he played played. Re- I thought we'd have beaten Minnesota in that game if he stayed in the game. Yeah, they should probably they should probably do that right now and just uh, because Teddy's iffy, right? Um, Teddy Bridgewater's iffy, yeah, uh, at best, um, and uh, and I think that they should probably just. I mean, we don't expect Tua to play. I think we've been through that. Um, start him right now, like just yeah. build the game 100%. plan around him. And build him up. Give him all the. He makes it all the way through. Yeah. But at least you've got Teddy to bring in if he doesn't. Whereas, you know, it's almost a better scenario than if you start Teddy, his finger fucks up, and then the guy that's only had 20% of the snaps or not even that many of the snaps comes in and performs like he did on Sunday. 
Yeah, exactly. I mean, it's it's not going to – you got no shot when when that happens. And at this point, I mean, the, one of the issues also is that Teddy can't even make it through a game. No. You know? um, he, he just can't. And this goes back. I mean, Teddy's always been injury prone, right? But um, but this this goes back a, a ways, and and the guy forget forget can he make it through a season? <laughs> you can know, he make it through a quarter. Can he make it through a quarter? Like that's what can we make? Can he make it through a half? Can he make? You know, we're we're just sitting here talking about Tua, and we're like, you know, we, this is unacceptable. He's missing, you know, three four games a year, or something like something along those lines. Teddy can't make it through a quarter or a half of a game without getting hurt. And, um, and that's, that's, you know, that's, that's a big problem and that's going to, he, he's gone in the off season. Um, yeah. There's no way. Yeah. But, I think uh, it's a, uh, you know, it's, it's remarkable that a spotter puts him out of the jet game. Okay. You know, he kind of finishes, he finishes the Cincinnati game, although he takes some, some vicious hits in that game. Uh, Spotter takes him out of the Jet game after one play. As if he'd have finished the Jets game, though, really. Come on. Yeah, let's, 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 let's be, be real honest. about the that. Spotter, and, and the Spotter just saved that, him that from himself. Him out, the hit that the Spotter took him out, that was a vicious hit. Yeah. Yes. Right? Yeah. He could have easily gotten hurt on that one. He saved him from himself, the Spotter. Absolutely. He did. Absolutely. I don't believe he would have finished that game. No, 0% chance. And then the Minnesota game, he comes in after Skyler has a, a finger issue. And he finishes that one, okay. Uh, it's just, you know, and then he comes into this one and he has to leave it again in the third quarter after he gives the little present of the pick six, you know. Mm-hmm. He gives the going away present. Uh, yeah, they just made they made every bad choice at, at quarterback. Uh, I got to ask this, Simon, they're one and eight without two of the last two years. Of course, the, the initial question is, okay, why did you not have your quarterback for nine games? But Everybody else wins games with backup quarterbacks. I asked this on OnlyFans. I didn't get a satisfactory a- answer, by the way. Okay? I asked it on Twitter, and nobody came up with a good idea either. Everybody just blames everything around the team. Like, if you're going to blame everything, then uh, you don't have an answer. Everybody else wins games with backup quarterbacks. Every And I, when I mean everybody, you could go right down the list. In our own division, well, the Bills have had Josh out. Okay? So he hasn't had to, you know, miss a game, and they've had to go out there with Case Keenum. But the Jets have won with three quarterbacks. The Patriots won with something called Bailey Zappi. We roll out there with really expensive backup quarterbacks two years in a row, Jacoby Brissett and Teddy Bridgewater, and it's just one loss after another. And now we're, th- we're sprinkling in a little Skylar Thompson as well. Uh, why can't they win a game with a backup quarterback? It's two years in a row, and... If they complete the collapse, it'll be two years in a row where they are one win away each year from making the postseason. Why? Why can't they win with a backup quarterback? Everybody else does. Um, <clears throat> it's a good question. I, I Look, I don't have the answer for it. And there's, there's bigger brains than me uh, in the Dolphins trying to work that out, and they clearly can't do it. I, I would say part of the issue is that because of the way that Tua reads the field in terms of being a very quick one-read-and-throw quarterback, that lessens the pressure on the offensive line. What you see more of, and you saw a lot of yesterday with Teddy checking the ball down, you know, going through progressions, checking it down, you then get a lack uh, or less explosive plays than you, you do with Tua. But you do get that diversification uh, of, of receivers, but that means you move the ball 
sometimes that means the you move the ball less and you know the the guys that you know it's a highly specific system that you're running for a a quarterback with very specific talents uh, and the scheme fits those very specific talents and unfortunately the backup quarterbacks whether that was Jacoby Brissett in the system last year but also and much to a much greater degree to, uh, Teddy Bridgewater in the in the scheme this year just doesn't have the the superpower that Tua has the quick release the accuracy uh, and the very early in down vision um is that a reason it it, it might be um I, I don't really know the answer that the offense certainly looks a lot more pedestrian <clears throat> in terms of whether they're dialing it down um it feels like you know we spend we do spend some time complaining about why we don't take check down sometimes, and then you know we do take check downs like we did yesterday, and are successful certainly getting the ball to the to, to the backs Mostert and to Wilson. I think you know those those two guys certainly caught more balls yesterday than I remember them doing at any point in any game during the season with Tua. But I, I don't have an answer whether that's the fact they're holding the ball longer and therefore. They're getting more pressure, but it didn't ever feel like they're under masses, masses of pressure. Maybe they're just not very good. You know, that could be the answer too. I mean, I, I don't know. Chris might have a better answer than me, but I, I mean, how long is a piece of string? I genuinely don't know. Uh, I, I think I think you hit it. Well, first off, I agree with you about the offensive line. Um, Tua, Tua's quick. Tua's getting the ball out, you know, very quickly, uh, unnaturally quickly at times, probably unwisely quickly at times. Um, it does mask a lot on the offensive line, and they do. They have the, last year was clear. They did focus on uh, whether it was a, a mismanaged offense or not. It was still an offense that was built a certain way, um, you know, on the RPO game and 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 to his strengths and this offense has been built uh toward that as well but um and so naturally you get somebody else in there and it's going to it's going to um to take a little bit to form the offense around that different skill set but overall i think the team is not as good as advertised no i agree Um, and and that goes for last year as well as this year because think about and to me, and I hate to keep harping on this as if I'm, you know, I'm just out for blood or something, but, um, you know, we think about the defense of this team and the defense, re- recall that last year, the defense was good for approximately like nine games, right? It was, mm-hmm. it was a nine game stretch where the defense was, was genuine and genuinely good. And, and, you know, not all of those nine games either, but like, um, yeah, that was the famous, the famous stat. Uh, what was it? They were 31st for the first eight games and they were number one in the NFL in the last nine. Yeah. And so, so I think that, you know, where, where did Jacoby Brissett have to mostly play, uh, last year during that first half when the defense was terrible, right? Um, mm-hmm. And and where we, what do we have this year? When when of our quarterbacks had to come, generally had to come into the game uh, for Tua Tagovailoa this year, and it's you know it's it's this year it's it's moments when our defense is really quite bad. I mean they, they allowed forty points to the Jets. You know they allowed twenty seven to um, on the road both in the Jet game and the, um, the Cincinnati game. They allowed twenty seven there. Um, you know, and and then I think the defense during the stretch has been bad. The stretch, I mean, we lost before Tua was off the field, right? And we have to acknowledge that we lost four in a, in a row. 
um, before Tua was off the field. And, um, and I think that, uh, I think that you, you've got a, a team that isn't as good as advertised. You've got a defense that we keep, we keep seeing that, that eight or nine game stretch in that defense. And we keep closing our, or, or like in the case of this year, like maybe when they're a little bit better at home, but we're just seeing what we want to see. And we're, and we're not seeing the full picture, which is that this has been an uneven at best defense and, and really on the whole, just a bad defense. And I would include both years in that. Um, and, and so I think that, uh, I think that there's, that defense needs a serious rethink um, all the way around. And it, you know, when you don't have a good defense to help out your backup quarterback, you're probably going to lose games. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think that, that that's, that's a big part of it. Um, so yeah, we're not as good as we're not as good as, uh, as advertised. And so when the backup gets in there, we're not going to win. All right, we're going to go to break now. And when we come back, we're going to talk uh, a favorite pastime around these parts, uh, bad coaching, and when are we going to fire certain people. But first, these words. Do you have a water leak and can't find where it's coming from? Are you dealing with water or mold damage in your home or business? Then call Water Cleanup of Florida at 954-579-0356 for immediate assistance. With over 60 years of combined experience, Michael, Robert, and their team is prepared to handle all types of leak detection issues. 24 hours a day, 365 days a year. After the leak has been located and repaired, Water Cleanup of Florida will then clean, dry, and fully restore the damaged areas. Water Cleanup of Florida is fully licensed, insured, and certified to provide the one-stop shopping that busy homeowners and business owners require. There is no need to bring in other contractors. They will handle the entire project from start to finish. Service areas include Miami, Broward, and Palm Beach counties. Call Michael anytime on his personal cell phone at 954-579-0356. That's 954-579-0356. Or visit their website at wcufl.com. Water cleanup of Florida. If you have the schmutz, they have the guts. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. And we're back. Simon, uh, on Saturday, I was speaking to somebody. Um who's been employed by three NFL teams. And I asked him about a lot of different things. He said one thing that, that kind of stuck with me and God damn it. If he wasn't, if, if it didn't show up on Sunday and show up two, three, four times, twice to our detriment, big time, one on a huge pass interference call on Kean crossing. But he said that our defense, namely uh, Josh Boyer and the style of defense that he plays he tries to induce certain throws. And one of the throws that he likes to induce is a lot of one-on-one matchups. Like, he'll dictate where the ball is going to go. And that is probably a good idea if you have uh, prime Xavier Howard, prime Byron Jones out there. It's not a good idea when you have Keon Crossan and you have a middling quarterback. A, a middle, You know, it's an average. Mac Jones is not terrible. I make jokes, okay? 
but he's an average quarterback. He is the embodiment of average. Okay. You have an average quarterback. Trust me when I tell you an average quarterback with any wide receiver, he has a one-on-one matchup. He could reasonably put it around the area where either the receiver makes the, makes a play on the ball or you can get a call. You're making things easy for the quarterback. I thought, I thought Josh Boyer got himself fired on, on Sunday. Every time this defense is is handed an opportunity, hey, make a play, and we could possibly win this thing. They don't. It's the opposite. Something, you know, cataclysmically bad. If it's not a sixty yard run by, uh, I'm exaggerating. It was forty eight yards. Still, it's a forty eight yard run by a quarterback. Okay, if it's not a forty eight yard run by a quarterback, okay, in the Bills game. You know, it's a 42-yard completion on third and 11 in the Packers game. You know, and if it's not that, it's a 41-yard penalty late in the Patriots game. It's always something. I think he, he got himself fired. Uh, you agree? Yeah, I, I agree. Look, he, you know, he's he has been unlucky with, with injuries in the secondary. You can't yes. escape that. It's not an excuse. Yes. It's just a fact. You know, you lose Xavier Howard for some games, but also he's playing on two bad groins for most of the season. Okay, you lose Byron Jones for the entire season. The, the two players with which the entire system is predicated on, okay? You you lose Nick Needham, your really good slot corner. You lose Brandon Jones, again, who can attack the alley, who can blitz, who can do all those things that he does so well. You lose those players, that's difficult. And you end up starting essentially two guys that you would have signed for special... Well, Keon Crossman was signed for, to be a special teams captain. Kade Kohu was an undrafted free agent from a D3 school that nobody thought would make the team anyway. You know, the fact that he's having to start... It, it, you know, and the fact that he's kind of generally holding up his end to a degree is, you know, is astonishing. Um, but, you know, other teams get injuries as well. Um you know, schematically, I, I think we need to move scheme completely. I think we need to to move away from what we're doing. I think we need to go to a more zone or quarters-based coverage system with a bit of man thrown in because, you know, why wouldn't you when you've got Howard? But also, I think there's some significant questions about a number of players on the team. You know, do you roll still with Emmanuel Ogba, you know, next season? Do you roll with Xavier Howard? What happens to Byron Jones? Because, you know, you, there, are big, there are big payments coming up. Javon Holland... Drafted the second round, therefore, you know, you're only a season really away from a, a serious conversation about about his um, financial situation. Christian Wilkins, obviously, he's played the last two seasons at a really high level. You know, you could argue that an all-pro level this year won't be an all-pro, but he's played at that kind of level. There are players on the team who are going to want to get paid, okay? You could make a pretty significant case that the linebackers, all three of them, in terms of Riley, Baker, um, and Alandon Roberts might be gone. Okay, mm. Jerome Baker. I don't mind Jerome Baker. He's a he's a decent player, but you know I don't think he's played very well this season. I think his his talent has waned a little bit, um, and and it's waned disappointingly, despite the fact that the front seven or the front four have been actually been you know really good. So you think he'd actually thrive a bit more, but he struggled a bit. Um, he's he what's he been paid next year? Ten million pounds is it? I mean, there's a potential saving that you can make there. But then, you know, he can't help, Boyer can't help the fact that we drafted Channing Tindall, who's essentially been given a redshirt year, mm-hmm. you know, which is hugely frustrating. You know, we're, we weren't in a position where, where where two of our three top draft picks could be redshirted. You know, I mean, that's a damning indictment. You know, I'm sure there's there'll be ample shows for us to discuss the ludicrosity of continuing to, to pander to having Chris Greer as our general manager. But the fact that 
you know, two of our three high, high first three draft picks are, are sitting out the year. I mean, Tyndall plays a bit of special teams. Azukanama's been inactive for every game. Is that right? Maybe he was inactive for one game? No, he's been um, inactive all year. Okay. Uh, Tyndall I mean, is the one who's managing the to dress. Right. Whoopee. <laughs> Fucking hell. I mean, he looks great in uniform. Yeah, it's, doesn't it's, it? That's a damning indictment. I mean, uh, especially pads. given how shit our linebacking crew is. Um, yeah, he, he wears that neck roll. He has a really nice. Yeah, he looks face good mask. with that neck roll on, man. I tell you, that neck roll is yeah. And, uh, and the shield, he has the clear shield, and that forty-one underrated number for a linebacker. I gotta say, I, I, I think is that, nice. I think that all season long he's had the best. To give him credit, he's had the best neck roll. Apart from yeah. when Javon Holland had that second half neck roll against Buffalo, yes. I think Holland yeah. probably. You know, and he's probably had the best neck roll the Dolphins have had since Brian Cox, so he should definitely be praised for that. Look, that's not on Tyndall necessarily. Um, you know, we we, we take the Mickey, but that you know, uh, so to cut a very long answer short, I, I, I you know, I, I don't think Boyer survives. I think there'll be a significant change in scheme in terms of how we try and get to the quarterback, in terms of how we play linebacker. I think there'll be linebackers like David Long of Tennessee who I'd be absolutely front and centre targeting. I think he's a brilliant player. I think Alazir Shahir, the 49ers linebacker, is another one that I think we'll target. You know, we've got good players. You know, Van Ginkle and Wilkins and and Sealer and, you know, Chubb's a good player. You know, Ogba's a good player. Um, the rotation up, up top is good. We've got good safeties. We've got good corners. But I, I just don't think you can continue to play the way that you do. And I think there'll, there'll be a change in defensive coordinator. Who that is... I don't know, you know, is a Jeff Albrick leaving the Jets? I, I doubt it because that unit's so good. Is Robert Salah going to get sacked? I doubt it. Todd Bowles going to get sacked in Tampa? Oh, who knows, you know. Steve Gregory is really highly regarded at the Dolphins, but he was a defensive assistant two years ago. And it's a pretty massive leap to become defensive coordinator. And then you're looking at guys like Vic Fangio and, you know, where's Fangio going? I'm sure, you know, Sean Payton might have Fangio on his list. There's going to be lots of coaches or potential coaches, Jonathan Gannons, those sorts of people who would have... Um, you know, probably putting calls to Vic Fangio are the Dolphins behind the eight ball in terms of not having done that yet? Who knows? But I, I don't know. Something's got to change. The scheme's got to change. We're so reliant on the corners. And if the corners aren't healthy, then the whole thing goes to shit. And, you know, it's it's been pretty abject this season. But the injuries haven't helped. But ultimately, I think Boyle will get canned. Well, you know, I, I don't know why Salah won't get canned. He's on a, on a twin... You know, remember he was eight and three, and he's lost five in a row. I think we the beat issue him was, that's six in a row. <laughs> I think the issue with Salah, though, Chris, don't you think that is if if Salah gets sacked, right? D'Amico Ryan's is going to become a head coach somewhere else, right? He runs the best NFL defense in the NFL. Mm-hmm. There's nothing stopping Robert Salah going back and taking back over that 49ers. You know, he walks back into the 49ers job, right? I mean, yeah, hmm. uh, well, probably. I, I don't. I I can't tell you whether that's what he wants to do. Tired, but um. But yeah, I mean that's that's the main competition. Uh, however, uh, actually, the main competition first and foremost is um, is collecting the uh, collecting the paycheck, you know, um, because when you are a head coach and you get fired before your uh, your your time before your contract is up, um, a lot of times you void those uh, those guaranteed future salaries if you take on a you know a real coaching job as like defense coordinator. Um, so what they end up doing a lot of times is, uh, is they'll, they'll bring on the guy as, you know, quote unquote, a consultant, but, um, but you know, it's a way of getting around that issue, but it's not a perfect way of getting around that issue. So, um, so, you know, the number one competition for if, if Sally gets fired, 
is convincing them to coach at all, you know, take on a real coaching job at all. Um, and then the uh, the second one, you know, obviously, as you said, if, if D'Amico Ryans is gone, San Francisco will come calling. Um, so that's a tough one. Um, I do believe that there are some players, some uh, coaches on that Jets staff that Mike McDaniel knows, and he's going to uh, implicitly trust them having uh, tooled under both Robert Sally and, uh, and Ulbrich, who's, who's Ulbrich is a guy that McDaniel is close with. Mm. Right. So, um, and, and by the way, if, if Salah is fired, um, one suspects that Albrecht ends up leaving too. Uh, and, and that would probably be number one possibility here in Miami. Cause I know that McDaniel, McDaniel is really close with him. Yeah. Um, so, you know, that's, that, that's something to keep an eye on, but I think you're right about this scheme. Um, you know, I, I'm trying to take it in, you know, a, a little bit more holistically, like I said before, I'm looking at, you know, it's, it, it, it was nine games last year, and probably like you know six or seven of them. Uh, they were the defense was really stellar, um, and and this year they've been you know just terrible. Uh, they were terrible in the first half of last year. I mean, it's all, all the way around. I think it's just an indictment of this scheme and this style. Uh, it's not working. It's not appropriate for the personnel that we have. Um, at the moment, you know, when, when you, when you have Xavier Howard on the riding, the back, uh, the back nine of his career, um, and Byron Jones, just not out there at all, uh, then this isn't the personnel for this uh, scheme. And, and now we're trying to go very front four heavy, um, and trying to allow them to really, uh, impact the game. And one wonders if the scheme is to, uh, is, is basically to, um, too scheme heavy to uh, mm. to let those guys do their work, set up offensive linemen, and you know, and, and so on and so forth. Um, yeah. So yeah, that's it's going to it's going to be a change in the off season. Um, it's disappointing. Uh, it's not that Josh Boyer is a bad coach at all. Uh, it's just that this is this is not fitting. It's this defense is no longer fitting where this team is at, where this roster is at, this person, um, the personnel on the defensive side. But as for who's gone, Byron Jones is gone. Right. Um, uh, And Eric Rowe is gone. And, um, and I think that uh, Emmanuel Agba is gone. Uh, And that's just a, you know, when you make the decision to, uh, to bring in Bradley Chubb and then give him the contract that, that he got, that was essentially that was essentially an admission to me that Emmanuel Ogba's contract is going to be unloaded, um, especially with the development of Phillips as well. Yeah, yeah exactly, because he's going to need money, right? Yeah, Phillips is gonna he's another who's going to want to get paid. Yeah, so um, so I, Emmanuel Ogba's gone. Byron Jones is gone. Um, they're going to free up space that way. Um, I think Eric Rowe is going to be gone. I think that uh, especially as we change schemes. Um, so that that's going to be something that we we have to look at at, at this point. I mean, Noah Igbenogany, Keon Crossan, guys like that. I mean, do we even do we even obvious probably gone, but do we even care? Um, <laughs> no. You know, and, and Jerome Baker. That that's the one. I I would not. I do not think we'll we'll be without a Jerome Baker next year uh, because I do think McDaniel, uh, has a high respect for him and kind of envisions him in the style of defense that he's more used to. 
So, um, so I think that uh, not necessarily that one, but certainly guys like Eric Rowe, Byron Jones, uh, Emmanuel Agba, they're all probably going to be lopped off uh, the roster. Um, Nick Needham, I'm, I'm, I wouldn't, I wouldn't count on his making it necessarily either. Um, so he's going to we'll get paid Needham, isn't he? So, well, yeah, I mean, that, somebody's going to pay him to play outside. Bad Mm-hmm. It's bad timing, you know. Bringing in a new coach, new system, you want to give guys maybe some holdovers, of maybe a chance to like a year or a training camp, you know, just to, to see if see how well they fit. Um, it's bad timing when a guy is up, when a, a guy is up, and you're doing that because you know why give him a you know uh, at this point he's not your player, so so you you should be signing players that you view to be attractive. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and not only that, they got to pay uh, Christian Wilkins as soon as the season's over. Like, like that's immediate. Mm-hmm. So, uh, so Simon, you heard the laundry list of, of players. It, it really does come down to players, right? And mm. we we like some of these guys, but some of them have have failed this team. They have a really expensive corner in Xavier Howard, who's had an awful season. Uh, objectively, like if you look at it. From the the dropped interceptions to his overall play, that's been just really, really bad. I, I would make the case that if we still had two first round picks, I would be surprised if Howard was on the team next year. I just don't think you can replace him when you don't have. You know, it's a very, very deep corner class. There are some really good corners in this draft. Devin Witherspoon of Illinois being my number one guy, but I, you know, I I just can't see when you've got a sort of mid second rounder and two third rounders. I just don't think you can find. Do you think? Stuff. Do you think other teams out there? Do you think other teams out there view him as being, you know, done over the hill? I mean, he made the Pro Bowl this year, and I know that that's, you know, kind of a joke, <laughs> but, um, but you know, it. I don't think it was really on fan voting. Um, you know, no. do, do you think that there are people out there who are still Xavier Howard fans, and they'll they'll just uh, they'll take him off our hands? I mean, I think they probably would do. Because he's still a good, you know, he he's still a good player. He's had a, a a bad year, but I think you know, as Howard and his agent, you could make the case that, you know, you would say, look, I've been I was playing on two bad groins. I gutted it out. I toughed it out. Just go and speak to your receivers that I played against, because I'm sure the receivers will say, look, gives us a tough time every time we play him. You know, yeah. the the other question I suppose for Miami is that you know. Can they dip into free agency and, uh, you know, can they afford guys? They're going to have to make some some cuts that Chris has just talked yeah, about. Yeah, that's something I, was, I wanted to ask you uh, and directly you, Simon, because Kyle Krabs did a, a great piece where he was just, you know, he he played a junior GM with his calculator and he figured out that they could open up somewhere on $55 million in cap space. And they were simple moves, you know. It's basically, you know, it's a who's who. It's dumping Byron Jones, it's dumping Emmanuel Ogba. You know, it's it's playing with uh, with certain figures. It's re-signing Christian Wilkins to a long-term deal. It's very simple things that they can do to open up cap space. There's a name that it's just it's just so obvious. And when you look at the two players, they're eerily similar, although they play different positions. What would you rather have, Simon? Because they're the same age. Both have had an injury-plagued season this year. And one's a free agent, and it looks like Buffalo is not going to resign. Would you rather have Jordan Poyer for X's money, or would you still rather keep X? I think it depends on what you want to do with the with your defensive coordinator. So let, let let's let's take a guy like a guy who should be out there. He's fifty six. Jim Schwartz. All right, we know him as head coach of 
you know, former head coach of the Lions, but was also DC at the Bills, defensive coordinator at the Eagles. He's now been with the Titans for a couple of years. He's their senior defensive assistant, but he essentially is the guide for Shane Bowen. You know, they're, they're fourth in takeaways. They're third in third down defense. They allow the fewest running yards per game in the league. They've uh, they're the sixth best in the league on. Uh, this was in this was two weeks ago. They were the sixth best in the league on third downs, which is Miami are absolutely gash at. Um, 12th in overall defense. They were 10th in sacks. Uh, you know, they play that wide nine scheme that is, you know, we've had and and weren't particularly successful with, but they've sort of been able to combat those sort of pitfalls that we saw using the wide nine along the, the tires defensive front. Uh, and I think the Schwartz has uh, adopted and adapted methods on the back end. They play a lot of two deep safety as the rest of the league has a lot of quarters coverage. I think they boosted their quarters, their use of quarters by four times over the past two seasons that he's been involved with. I think if you have a Jordan Poyer in that mix with a two deep, you know, in, in a two deep safety look, that gives you all sorts of, all sorts of opportunities to to do things. Uh, look, for me, the if you're going to change to a zone, to a quarters coverage, the one player that I would be picking up is Chauncey Gardner-Johnson, who was really good in New Orleans, has been an absolute, you know, all pro in um, in Philadelphia. Leads, I think he still leads the NFL in interceptions. Um, and he, I don't think he's played for about six weeks because he's been injured. But, um, you know, that would be the guy that I'd go after. But, you know, we talk about saving free agent money. You know, are there even guys, you know, you look at some of the the big name corners that are out on the market and, you know, the two guys that sort of stand out, James Bradbury, Jonathan Jones, you know, both of them are 29. You know, do you want to be paying big money to 29-year-old corners? No. I personally do not want to do. You know, I, nobody will have a better insight on Emmanuel Mosley, for example, who's had a good season in San Francisco. He's nearly 27, you know. We've talked about Nick Needham. Nick Needham's, you know, he's going to want to get paid. Then you're looking at, you know, some of the guys like a Byron Murphy, Arizona, who's only 24, but plays mainly in the slot. Now, do you want to play a slot corner? The money that Byron Murphy's going to want to get paid. That's a, you know, there's an issue there. Then you go down the, you know, you look at someone like Dane Jackson, who's played well in, you know, in Buffalo. He's a good player. But I think you probably look at something like Tampa, you know, with with Sean Murphy Bunting, with Jamel Dean, both of them are free agents, you know, but is it, are they really moving the needle for you? I I, I don't know. So I don't know what you think, Chris. But it's just a, such a such an interesting situation with Howard because you know he's such a good player, but he costs so much money, and you know cornerbacks of his age who are repeatedly picking up niggling injuries don't tend to lose those niggling injuries the older they get, do they? They just those situations just tend to get worse, and at some point you just got to feel like you know it'll be time to pull the plug. Well, there's a, there's, there's a, I, I've said this before. There is a pretty strong history of uh, corners in, in the NFL dropping off a cliff at, uh, at a certain, around a certain age. And Xavier Howard is there. Um, and so you have to pay attention to that. Uh, but I, I, you know, you, you mentioned, you mentioned um, like Jim Schwartz, for example. Um, and I, I actually, it makes me wonder uh, because the strength of this team or the defense anyway um, is, for the foreseeable future, uh, especially now that they've given a massive contract to Bradley Chubb, they're obviously going to try and keep Jalen Phillips. He's a very, um, you know, very good up-and-coming young player. Uh, Christian Wilkins is going to get a massive deal in the offseason. They've got Steve Zach Steeler. You know, um, for the foreseeable future, this is going to be defensive line uh, 
based defense, right? And um, and that does make me wonder about a, a, an approach like uh, like um, Jim Schwartz's approach because it is so defensive line oriented and and, and about all about getting the defensive line um, the the chances to impact the game. Um, but I also kind of wonder about a guy that we had here before with uh, that's been out in, Cam- in San Francisco and been coaching their defensive line for, for a long Kachirik. time. Yeah, Chris Kasirik. Yeah. And that makes me wonder, you know, because I, I think that there's um, there's sort of a stigma about, you know, oh, you don't want a defensive line coach as your defensive coordinator. Um, but, you know, it, I guess it depends on what you're doing in your secondary with your secondary coaches. But I think that this is a defensive line driven defense for the foreseeable future from a personnel standpoint. So maybe it is important to get somebody who, you know, sets a tone, you know, uh, uh, defensively um, sets a culture uh, and that would allow that defensive line to impact the game maximally, I guess, Um, because that's, that's the, that's what you've built. So, um, so I wonder about that. I wonder about there, there's a guy, uh, the defensive line coach of the Jets. I forget his name right now. Um, but, uh, you know, he's, uh, he's another guy that Mike McDaniel has named. Um, he named him, you know, by name as a guy that I know. Is it White Cotton? Or White Cotton? White, White Cotton, is that right? Is that him? Yeah, I think that's him. Um, you know, so I wonder about, I wonder it's about White that. something. Yeah, it's. I believe it's. I believe it's Aaron White Comp. White Thread uh, or something. I don't know. I'll yeah. Just it. Um. But yeah. So I. I, I wonder yes. if that's the. That's the approach. Is uh, since it is going to from a personnel standpoint, I don't think you can really deny it at this point. Yeah, Aaron uh, White Cotton. Yeah, Aaron White Cotton. I wonder if. I wonder if that's what you do. You know, if that's what you. You try and prioritize yeah. making that impact. One of the other interesting names, I think, because of the situation that's going on in Denver, is Jairo Ivero and whether or not you know he gets a head coaching gig. But if he doesn't, you know, obviously Hackett's gone in Denver. If they bring in, let's say for argument's sake, Sean Payton, it's probably not going to happen. But if they do, you know, he'll probably bring a big name defensive coordinator with him. If they bring in Jim Harbaugh, is he going to keep you know ivero with him or you know what, what what's that mm-hmm. what's that situation look like if he doesn't get a head coaching gig elsewhere the other guy i think is really interesting to talk about and I, chris kasarek is a is a very good name is the guy i keep hearing and i was talked about a lot of the senior bowl when i was there last year is that he's the defensive line coach and the senior defensive assistant at the bills and i think his name is i'll have to look it up i think it's eric washington um he's a guy that was was DC in Carolina with Ron Rivera, um, close to Sean McDermott was DC there, or was his like assistant defensive coordinator coordinator when McDermott was running the defense, at the Panthers. Um, he works with you know works obviously very closely with Leslie Frazier there. The Bill, if you don't know the Bill, listeners, the Bills defense is pretty much a base four three really isn't it a base four three zone but mm-hmm. it's very heavily disguised hybrid formations guys running around all over the place very athletic linebackers we're not the biggest Tremaine Edmonds fan but Matt Milano is an absolute stallion to the two best safeties in the league for me in terms of combo in terms of Poyer and Hyde good corners you know not elite ends you take Von Miller out the the picture young ends when you look at Boogie Basham and Rousseau and and guys like that and you know they've got some meat in the middle with um Ed Oliver and Phillips. But very, and, and very, very guys. conservative as far as coverages. Oh, yeah. Yeah. But, you know, 
They're a good. It's a, people also talk about you know guys like Jim Leonard. You know Leonard's done a great job as defensive coordinator at in Wisconsin, but he's you know never been in the NFL. You know, there's there's very different college football. Jim Leonard. Jim, Jim Leonard, Leonard. Leonard. Oh, Leonard. Know. I was. I thought yeah, you said yeah. Leonard. I was. Uh, really? No, no, no. Jim Leonard. Um, okay. So yeah, I mean, I, I don't know. Lots of interesting names. Well, he Lots played. He played nine seasons. seasons. I would count that as. Uh, oh no, yeah, sure, but I think there's a difference to coaching, and you look at, yeah, you know. You know, he uses a lot of hybrid fronts, a lot of, you know, bare fronts, creepers, sim pressures, all those sorts of things. Um, you know, I I don't know whether that fits with the modern NFL. I don't know. All right. And this is going to be the last question. I'm going to start with you, Simon. In 1993, uh, the Dolphins had one of the greatest collapses in team history. They started the season off nine and two, and they lost the last five to miss the playoffs. Okay. Uh, their ninth win to go nine and two was the that very famous snow game in Dallas, where Leon Lett touched the ball. Um, Dan Marino got hurt that year. Can you name the four quarterbacks that won games for the Miami Dolphins that year? Sign, uh, sign in when ninety three, ninety three, Marino, of course, he was four Scott, and one. Scott Mitchell, yes, he was three and three. Steve Deberg, yes, he was two and two. One more. Uh, is it the guy that was Atlanta? Um, fuck is his name. This quarterback Paid actually won game number 325 for Don Shula to break uh George Hollis's record. He's having Doug, a successful season as a head coach this year, yes. Doug, Doug Peterson, Peterson. Yeah. okay. So that begs the question, Don Shula. I was gonna say, I was gonna say Hugh Millen, was it Hugh Millen? <laughs> no, it was Doug Peterson. So, uh, Don Shula, you know, the great Don Shula. Hall of Fame coach, uh, the all-time winningest coach in 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 pro football, he managed to win in a, te- in, a in a year where they fell apart from nine, nine and two to nine and seven and missing the playoffs. Okay, he managed to win games in the NFL with four different quarterbacks. Uh, two years and we are one and eight without Tua. What part of the blame does this collapse? Does the does it fall on the head of the head man, Mike McDaniel? I mean, this is the this is the last. How long do you want the last answer to be to the last question? I mean, there's a lot. Hey, because we've been this has been a a season long honeymoon on this podcast. I still love Mike McDaniel. I love his offense, and and I'll tell you right now, if if the collapse is complete, I can still say, look, he came in as an offensive guru, and he kind of delivered on his promise, so he deserves another shot. But, uh, very, very quickly then, in a pricey of where I think the blame lies, I think the blame lies with the with the the owner. Uh, the owner has summarily failed uh, to shoot his little pop gun and continually uh, missed on all his targets. I would say the general manager who has summarily failed to do his job. He's been bailed out by the trade for Tyreek Hill and the fact that he hit on Jalen Ward or Jalen Phillips and Javon Holland. Um, everybody, it makes everybody forget about Liam Eikenberg and uh, and Hunter Long. But actually, the fact that you know I, my mum could have picked Jalen Waddle and Javon Holland, um, and the only reason Javon Holland wasn't a top fifteen pick because he was a top fifteen player was the fact that he didn't play the season before, and in fact the the position that he went into the NFL as he hadn't he played six snaps in three years at safety. Um, By the so, way, I love Javon Holland. That guy looked like he broke his arm against yeah. the Patriots, and the guy went to the tent and said, "Fuck you, I'm playing." And went out there, and when they asked him after the game, he said, "Yeah, I hurt my arm a little bit." 
<laughs> the general manager, uh, because of the lack of depth, I, I can't blame him for the injuries. That's not his fault. But, you know, he's the guy that signed the Teddy Bridgewater. He's the guy that, you know, they must have known there were significant injuries with Byron Jones building up to the season. They did, did nothing about it. Um, you know, so I think he takes a share of the blame. I think the coach, you know, he blew the 2020 draft. You go back and look, the, the jury's still out on tour because of the injuries and because of some of the inconsistencies. But the other two picks are absolute busts. You know, you look, the Bengals made the Super Bowl. Bengals are absolutely hot going into the into the, the playoffs this year. Um, they didn't blow their rebuild, but it feels like we sort of blew our rebuild. Um, Mike McDaniel, some of the blame falls on his shoulders. He's the head coach. He's the man, the coaching. You know, uh, some of it falls on Josh Boyer. Some of the things with McDaniel that really irk me are, why are plays coming in so late? You know, why, why, why did the plays come in so late? Um, you know, we're always getting to the line of scrimmage with like four or five seconds to go. And, I'm I can sure tell you, that I can tell you why. I can tell I, I, and 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 it doesn't take, you know, a genius to figure this out. I think he's losing track of of his personnel that's in the game and when he's calling plays it requires different personnel and that's getting in late because the subs are getting in late. But that's why we're getting false start penalties, that's why we're getting illegal motion penalties because that's coordination all, between him rushed. and Embry. That's him yeah. and Embry that are fucking up. Fucking everything's up. rushed, everything's rushed. You know, it, it's late, it's shit. I've got to be over this side. I you know all of those things. So I think there's an awful lot of blame to go around. The players, you know, when your quarterback is not available for five games, that's an issue. There's a whole bloody heap of of shit to go around. And I don't know. I mean, to me, this is worse than what happened in 93. I mean, yeah. I mean, this is worse than 93. Now, I think this I, is worse. I tend to agree with you. I tend to agree with you. I think this is worse, and I would I would agree with Simon there because um, because it's not just about the the record. It's not just about getting to eight and three. It's it's about getting to eight and three and where this team was, you know, at, at eight and three. As far as offensively, um, we knew that the defense had some issues, but it was at that point it looked more like a home versus away issue. Um, offensively, this the you know, the, this team was elite. And when you have an elite level offense like that, it gives you so many visions of what you're going to do in the, in the postseason. And, um, and I think that that's, uh, that, that's what we're looking at. We're looking at a bigger collapse right now because it's not just, it's not just that the defense has kept being the same and, and, and now we don't necessarily have our starting quarterback. And so we lost it. It's, it, even before that, you know, the offense is not necessarily playing the way they were. That got us so excited, and um, and and then you know you've got the biggest collapse. I, I think I think overall this has to be more disappointing because we were just at such a high, an incredible high, and um, and now it's now we don't we don't see it. It's hard for us to see winning this last game. It's hard to see us getting in the playoffs. Um, if we were to get in the playoffs, it's hard to see anything other than an embarrassing exit uh, in the first round, um, and that that is that's pretty huge. All right, I guess we're gonna have to call it right there. And the next time we talk to you, we're gonna be talking about Jets Dolphins with who knows, like who the hell is gonna be a quarterback? It's gonna be Skylar Thompson, maybe. Who knows? Is it gonna be Teddy Bridgewater? We doubt it. Because evidently he has uh, some type of pinky injury that nobody could could um, could figure out what exactly it is. They don't know if it's uh, dislocated. He's going for more imaging today. But on Thursday, we will talk about a game. 
a win and end game, essentially, because uh, the Patriots are not going to Buffalo to win. Uh, we know that already. All right, that's it. There is no more. We will talk to you on Thursday. Thanks for listening to Three Yards Per Caddy. You can subscribe via iTunes, on Podbean, or your usual podcast provider. Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code CHAMPION and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Remember to use code CHAMPION and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet, place your money line, prop, or parlay bets with the king of sportsbooks today. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Virginia only. New customer offer subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotion, promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.